Good morning. Welcome to Over Within Limits, episode 28. My personal favorite, Knife Play. With me, as always, is the Imperatrix Knox. I'm here to talk about stabby things. Mm-hmm. And hands down, one of my favorite subjects in all of BDSM. No shame whatsoever. Has been one of my top kinks pretty much my entire kink journey, and it probably will be until the day I die. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Knife play has been in my wheelhouse since I was 21, and that's only because I didn't trust myself to use one properly till I learned enough of it. Because I'd been learning about it for two okay. years prior since I started bottoming, but I didn't trust myself to touch another person with a blade even partially until I actually learned enough about it to feel comfortable. I had enough respect Wait, for just you, how... You were being responsible? Yeah, I know, right? I, I blame my mentors. No shame. <laughs> Granted, they did give me a lot of choices, but I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, responsible and feral. I agree. It's a <laughs> only because of that. Only because of the blades. Um, that was very much Probably a, is it edge play? That. I was a lot more careful. If it wasn't edge play, I was just hormonal. I won't sugarcoat it or pretend. <laughs> I have no problem owning that. I was 20 years old and stupid like anybody else. It was just when it came to actually hurt. hurting other people, I had enough sense to be like, I want to make sure I know what I'm doing first, because I know what happens if I don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for me, it was, it was a kink that I got into later. I always liked the aesthetic of it and watching Knife Play. Like, I thought it was hot. But it was not something that I crossed into, I would say, exploring and experimenting with. Until I'd already been in kink, I think like 10, 15 years. Um, so I would say I'm relatively newer to it. That's but, valid. Uh, it, has, it has quickly become one of my top, <laughs> top funsies. <laughs> it's, it's one of those where it's very commonly a, a later kink for a lot of people because the nature of it keeps a lot of people from jumping in it quite as fast, which I see nothing wrong with because I respect why. Yeah. For a lot of people, it's fear. They don't want to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. They're not sure. Because yeah. it's one thing to fool around with, say, rope or something and make mistakes. But the moment you take something that can do physical damage, and that's explicitly what it was created for. I would argue rope is the same in that regard. But I don't disagree I with you, but less people <laughs> think about it that way. Yeah. Not so much comparing to rope now well, <laughs> as... I know a lot more people more comfortable picking up rope for the first time long before they go anywhere near a sharp object. That's all. Mm -hmm. And no, that is not absolute. Like, we're not talking figures and statistics here, but <laughs> no, not always for the best reasons. You're absolutely <laughs> correct because rope can be just as bad. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But it is, less, it is less intimidating on site for new people. Let me put it that way. There's less instinctual, Absolutely. I'm not sure if I should do this, than there is with mm -hmm. something like a knife or a needle, which, while some of what we talk about today will have some bleed over to needle play, let me be very clear up front, this is not a needle play 101, and you should not compare the two and use both the same way. Um, That's true. Let me get all those disclaimers out now, because there will be some. <laughs> this is an episode that will involve a lot of heavier things, because the nature of knife play does put it squarely in the edge play category. Um. For those that have either never listened to our podcast before or fallen off a tree, edge play means that there is a good distinct possibility of bodily harm to the other person that you cannot walk back if you have an oopsie. 
to put it in layman's terms. Yeah, we are not talking about edging. I want to make no. that clear because a lot of people have they hear edge play and they think, oh, right, you're just delaying my orgasm. And this is no, not. I'm talking about this is not orgasm denial. It is not delay. It is not playing with sexual satisfaction directly. It is explicitly something that can cause major bodily harm to another if not used correctly. Yeah. And there's a number of things in that category besides needle play, fire play, CNC. Mm-hmm. It's a wheelhouse of several different kinks, but today it's obviously just knife play. But I need to make sure those distinctions are up front because for you know anyone who's listening, I'm assuming everyone in our audience at the moment knows what they're getting into. However, <laughs> just in case they're not, and for those that are going to be listening later... We will be talking to a limited extent about blood play as well, because it is the nature of the mm-hmm. kink. Um, so for those that are either triggered by talk of blood or injury or are not sure if that's something that's going to make them uncomfortable, now's the time to turn it off and go play another episode. Total respect. Here's your buyer beware. Right. And you are absolutely valid if that is not something you're comfortable with, don't mm-hmm. want to learn about. As we say a thousand times, your journey is yours. And no one can take mm-hmm. that away from you. You are not obligated to be comfortable with this subject. That said, if you tune in, you're being an adult. (laughs) You don't get to complain later of what about you heard. This is your chance to turn away now. Just get it out of the way. I want to hear the complaints. I mean... I like complaints. I learn from them. I'm not saying (laughs) I have a problem with complaints. (laughs) I'm just not going to be nearly as sensitive about them on a case where if I warned you and you did it anyway, that's on you. What's the phrase? Caveat emptor? Buyer beware? Yes. You listened. It's your problem now. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think think for me, when I talk about edge play, this type of knife play, um, I know for me, it was not one that I saw in the dungeon up front. No, it's Um, very uncommon. Kind of very specific nights that I would see it, very specific partners that i would see doing it yep um you know usually they were couples that were very well established and playing with each other not necessarily coupled as in married dating whatever but like established pay, play partners, dedicated partners yeah um, no absolutely and every time i saw it it typically was older folks you know like 45 and up in the dungeon that were doing it engaged in it and it was the kind of scenes that whenever i saw it happen it, it was a showstopper like the entire yeah party would come to a halt everybody was focused in on it because of just the the intensity and the sexiness and everything else and so like i know for me i did not gravitate towards it till much later in my kink journey simply because i never felt competent with it i didn't feel like i had attained this magical level that i could start engaging in it and i i am happy to see younger folks embracing it I know the, you know, the dungeons that I play at and the parties I go to, I tend to see it more now. Um, and I see it combined with many other types of play, which has been pretty hot. Um, but it's also a little scary to see younger folks dabbling in it, especially when you know they're brand new to kink and they're, they see it and they think, oh, I need to start with that. And it's like, Phew, don't jump into the deep end quite yet. Like that's. Yeah. I, as it's, someone it's who some... started young, I have. I'm not going to shit on younger people starting with it. But that said, I am a firm believer that if you pick up a kink that is clearly on the closer edge of dangerous, and everything mm-hmm. we do has some element of danger and risk, of course. That's the nature of what yes. we do. Yes. 
But there's a clear difference in definition of risk. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. The risk Mm -hmm. scale is much higher, more apparently, with knives, needles, things that break skin, bludgeon tissue, Mm -hmm. than, say, your bare hands. Yeah. To a point. I mean, I realize that there's, you know, different levels of that even with that. But for the sake of, I can do a lot more damage with a knife than I can with my bare hands. And for me, that's saying Mm -hmm. something. But I don't care how old you are. I care how much you take the time to learn what you're getting into. That's the Mm -hmm. key element for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the difference in how much damage you can do quickly is a much exponentially higher scale. Yes. Um, That's very true. And I have absolutely had those snafus myself while learning about it. I... One of my favorites is, yeah. you know, at 22, when I was still experimenting with sharpnesses and all that, I got my hands on a le- and a number 11 scalpel because um, a friend of mine worked for hospitals and had access to surgical supplies. I knew that it was sharp. I did not understand how sharp till I half opened my thumb by accident. Thankfully, only superficially. Oof. But it bled like a pig. My thumb was laid up for a couple of days where I could barely even use it. And that lesson was learned quickly. Zero shame. I'm not proud, but I'm glad I learned that lesson early. <laughs> well, I mean, and I will say it's, it's for me, I, I think it's happier that you learned it on yourself at first and not another right. person. No, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I would rather have learned it on me than accidentally done it to a partner. And I think that's <laughs> it's part of the reason you don't see um, knife play as a, I hate using the term casual, but a less commonly seen kink at events. I think yes. part of that is because the nature of it yeah. is definitely more intimate. That. It's definitely not necessarily sexier, but it is more intimate. The requirement of trust is higher. Because you are me, taking your... The... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, for me, it's also one of the, the few kinks that you have to do a lot of prep work. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Like, you have to really... Like, you can't just walk into the dungeon, throw up in your bag, and be like, hey, let's go do some knife play. Like, you, you have nope. to clean. You have to sterilize. Like, well, if you're responsible. Let me put it that way. <laughs> but... Yes. You know, there's, there's, you know, maintaining your blades and things like that. It's not the same as how you treat floggers. No, you, know, you can be rough with floggers. You can kind of ignore them, and they're still going to function and perform just as well. But knives and and scalpels and things like that are not that same. They they need PLC in between plates. Yes, they do. And Dottie, you are absolutely correct. It does. It demands deeper ed communication, deeper education, and deeper responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because the very nature of it, even if you're playing with the flat of the blade and sensation play. Which, you know, there's two different kinds of knife play, as it were, quote-unquote. There's sensation-style fear play, where the blade is never actually attempting to break skin. Where it's all about contact and fear and playing on the sensitivities Mm -hmm. of someone's emotional and hormonal triggers, etc. Which is a lot more open to more people in the sense of... I know plenty of people Mm -hmm. who play with that end of knife play, and only that end of knife play. And I totally Mm -hmm. appreciate that. And then there's the other side of that, where you are actively negotiating into laying someone open on some level. And there's huge differences in how much conversation's involved. 
Not because you don't have any with the other, because even with sensation play, you still have a lot of conversation to have and a lot of prep. Um, Even when I did demos, which demos were never, ever into cutting. Um, Anytime I ever did cutting technique, it was with fake objects, never with people if I was demonstrating with others. Just because that's my personal preference. Um, I know people who've done both. But bearing in mind, even when I just did sensation play, I never went anywhere without a go bag full of equipment. Always. Because mistakes happen. And when mistakes happen with a sharp object, it doesn't matter how it happened. What matters is how you're able to deal with it. So let's so let's start with that. But <laughs> um, no, seriously, I think that's that's no, a great absolutely. Point. So so let's start with how do you select your equipment and how do you maintain it? I I'll get to the blade itself second, only because I think the safety equipment involved is as important, if not more so, personally. Um, I do believe in gloves. I always have. And I don't say that lightly, because I know people who, for some reason, don't use gloves. And I understand, you know, 30 years with the same partner, maybe you don't feel the same comfort zone with it or the need for it. It's just my personal sterilization process. Um, I'm a firm believer in using good gloves. First and foremost, because it allows you to make contact with everything safely. Um, the very next thing after that, and there's different people who have different opinions on effectively the equivalency of Band-Aids. I don't use direct Band-Aids. I personally will use a combination of saline solution, HibaCleanse, um, liquid bandage. And part of that is because I've seen people in the past use rubbing alcohol. <laughs> I well, want to be very clear up front. Please do not use rubbing alcohol. While it does technically work, it not only causes irritation, but the wound will not heal the same way. And there's much greater risk of it not sealing correctly either for a longer time, which means there's risk of infection. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just please don't. <laughs> um, It sounds funny because... It's one of those things you wouldn't think someone would, but there's people that won't think it through beyond, well, this technically works, like keeping peroxide. While I do keep peroxide with my equipment, it is not the only thing I keep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Butterfly sutures, diluted iodine, those are good choices too. Well, um, I Hibba used glue. to use those as part of my go bag, as a matter of fact. I started using HibaCleanse instead of the iodine, mm-hmm. personally, and it's a yeah. similar solution. I use HibaCleanse also because I'm allergic to iodine. Uh, that's exactly um, why. I keep both. But I also keep super glue in my bag. There you go. Just in case. Yeah, you never know. Exactly. Um, it's one Prepare of the reasons for the I'm worst, a... hope for the best. Yes. Well, that's why I'm a huge you know, fan of liquid really... bandage. Mm-hmm. Um, that burns like a motherfucker. It can. Um, that might oh, be does. your skin sensitivity, which obviously, again, is why we keep multiple so- sources for that reason. Um, that's, that's a sensation play i'm not down for (laughs) (laughs) which i totally appreciate um i know people that are totally fine with it too and that's the other side of that so that's it's why even during negotiation i will ask questions about are you familiar with whether you are sensitive to xyz iodines etc and i've even had that conversation like days in advance of a of a scene where i will be like well if you want we can test that right now in a small space on your like underneath your forearm or wherever somewhere safe without cutting 
so that you can examine the effects and if it's something we need to be worried about, so that we can plan ahead for if it happens during a scene. Which goes back to the level of communication has to be a much higher rate. Well, and like I will say, because one of the, the comments in the chat was, is good about having some first aid book or first aid training. And, and so for me personally, I don't expect people to be like a first aid instructor, BLS instructor, or anything like that. No. But if you're going to engage in activities that are going to potentially damage someone, you do need to have a basic understanding of first aid. Yes. Um, and I, I would say, like, I'll play as a whole, not just because we're talking about things that are going to be breaking the skin, but any type of play, because there's a lot of first aid implications with a variety of play styles. Oh, absolutely. With this one, obviously, we're talking about blood and, like, a potential bloodborne pathogen. Um, but it's it's more... Not everybody is into scarification and taking care of the wound and making sure it heals correctly is to minimize scars. You know, I, when I get done playing with somebody, I don't want to look like they're into self-harm. Right. You know, that's not a decision I'm allowed to make for their body. That's the decision they have to make. So when I'm looking at causing damage and then sealing it, I'm trying to minimize that scarification. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, Things like Mederma and other types of topical solutions after the healing's begun, you know, taking it that next stage further, you know, and it's not about aftercare. It's making sure your partner's directly informed. Right. Exactly. And it's why I have so much of that conversation up front before I ever actually start mm -hmm. a scene. Just yeah. explicitly with knife play. And it, again, while it technically bleeds over to needle play in the sense of you still break skin. So mm -hmm. similarities in safety equipment, but, and for someone who's listening, who is, you know, hoping for tips on first aid, I'm sure there's like a notebook <laughs> scribbled in right now about different brands and types. And, and that is totally valid. Mm -hmm. Write them all down, but still please go do okay. some homework about basic first aid for opening a wound and sealing them, please. Mm -hmm. I cannot stress that enough. Before you take a blade to an actual live person, do some homework on first aid. I don't say that lightly, and I know it's extra work, etc. This is not a kink where the work is second. Mm -mm. At all. There is no room mm. for that kind of mistake and error or impatience. It is a beautiful kink. It is inherently sexy, intimate, hot as fuck when done right. With that comes a lot of extra starts and steps. Because you have to. Because even if you're just playing with sensation, it takes nothing to accidentally aim the wrong way and open up a thigh. Accidents are going to happen. I mean, it's... I'm, I'm a firm believer. It doesn't matter what you do and how long you do it. Eventually, something is going to go sideways. Right. And if you're prepared for it and you're aware of it, it makes it less scary when it actually happens. Which is good. You know, because you don't want to scare the shit out of your partner and make it seem like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right. But kind of at the same token, you don't want to overreact to the point that you're incapable of fixing whatever happened. No. You know, and being smart enough to recognize when something's gone past your capability is important, too. You know, being smart enough to know when you need help because yes, bleeding is not stopping or... It, if you, you made know, a mistake whatever, in your care happened. for whatever ungodly reason, you planned everything out and for whatever reason, it's still not following what you thought you had learned. Don't don't sit there and feel like, I'll figure this out. 
take them to a hospital, take them to a clinic, get help immediately. Yes, it means some awkward questions, but you know what? The awkward questions are far better than permanent damage or something more endangered. I would rather face a thousand awkward questions than injure my partner through neglect because I think I can handle it when I no longer can. And I I want to say, especially so in this case, again, with this particular kink group, you need to have the self-accountability to be able to say, I'm not sure this is something I can handle. And it doesn't matter if it's at the very beginning or the very end of your scene. It doesn't matter if it's during the middle of a mistake or not. There is nothing wrong with being able to step back and saying, I maybe shouldn't have done this, or maybe this is too much, or I think I need help here. Because it's far better to hold yourself accountable no matter when it happens, preferably before it starts, obviously. But if it's going to happen, let it happen before it's too late, is the key element to that. Whenever that might be, never let it get to the point where it's too late and you can't take it back. That is the preference, no matter what stage that's in. Um, I have absolutely had someone ask me to oversee a scene for them because it was their very first time with a partner. And they we all sat down and negotiated together for the better part of hours because I was a third party who was explicitly going to be hands off. But they wanted extra, effectively extra eyes in their corner to be safe. And both parties were comfortable with it and everything. Ultimately, it was a good thing because they did, in fact, make a mistake towards the end, and they did do something where they no longer could be sure they could control the situation, and they had someone outside for aid who was there and able to help. While obviously not a normal situation, I am personally glad that they had that option so that the person in question ended up being okay with no lasting damage, and that's kind of the key point, is to have gone home with a positive experience. Not with an open thigh that they have to explain to people because there's going to be scarred up. Um. <laughs> Some scarring's hot, though. But scarification is a kink all its own, and I'm into that too. <laughs> but that goes into the cutting cut part of things, and that's still. Uh, I've used the analogy before, and I will use it probably till the day I die. If I sneeze and you can die, I'm extremely careful <laughs> with what I do. That's smart. It's very simple to me. And not because all of it's basic, but because it can <laughs> happen. It only mm -hmm. takes once when you're holding a number seven or a number 10 scalpel that is diamond sharp. Now, let mm -hmm. me, we're going to get into that a bit later when we get into tools, etc. But <laughs> fucking Woody. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, all know that. Happened. Shut up. Thank you, my favorite goat. That's valid. <laughs> Seder, goat, both. Um, it's okay. Um, <laughs> while, yes, I'm going to get into tools a little bit later, let me be clear up. <laughs> of course you're proud of that. <laughs> you should be. Um, for those that are unfamiliar, I'll do the quick sum up now. A scalpel of a caliber between, you know, seven and technically even like 13 or 14 is so sharp that if you gently touch the skin, it will flay open several layers. It is yeah, that sharp. Hurts. It is used for precision yeah. surgery. It is in the hands of a caretaker for a reason, usually, and not mm -hmm. easily acquired in public. No. 
No, you can't buy those online reason. the same way you can others. <laughs> no, and you shouldn't. No. Um, there are some surgical pl- supplies I'm a firm believer I wish was easy access, and I mean the good stuff like lap sponges. <laughs> um, not the dangerous kind, but the... <laughs> I'll just get on with it. Um, lap sponges are one of these things where, uh, right? I, I can't help it. Again, it's my favorite kink. I'm going to be like this. <laughs> Why are you like this? What do I have a choice? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So lap sponges are also a surgical tool. They are predominantly used to soak up blood for those that are unfamiliar. I say that, but I have absolutely kept ones at home when I used to have the ability because one lap sponge can sit there and handle drying off your dishes for weeks before it goes bad. (laughs) It can soak up so much water that this little square of cloth, and I say little because it's maybe a foot square on average tops, Mm -hmm. can dry your dishes better than your dish dryer, than your dishwasher can by hand. It soaks up water and liquid like nobody's business. They are amazing. And when I have a choice, I keep them in my stash as a result with my safe care kit for that reason. Because I have never found anything better for absorbency. And, you know, and it doesn't matter what fluids we're talking about. But in this case, we're obviously talking about the more concerned kind. Um, Ew. Also, not easily available to the public. It's one of those where I wish it was because they're amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I I, don't plan to start anything like this with the, hey, surgery equipment's great, but it's still <laughs> you true. you have access to it? <laughs> you know, there's a reason there's so many kinksters in hospitals because they have access to some of the best shit. Um, Jesus. Well, it's true, though. Um, I've lost track <laughs> of how many medical personnel I've met that are kinky in some way. Um. Ironically, I most of them are not into medical role reasons. play. <laughs> in fact, medical, medical role play is a hard limit for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it is for a lot of them, too, ironically enough, probably because of yeah. what they do for a living. And I totally respect it. Like, I'm not poking fun. Yeah. Not in that sense. Um, <laughs> but the nature of the equipment they use on a day-to-day basis, it actually makes a lot of sense from a variety of standpoints. Because <laughs> what they use is extremely precision for invading and curing a body. So for the nature of all us kinksters out there, it actually makes a lot of sense that they're in it nice and thick. Um, Mm -hmm. And if anything, I'm jealous, but you know, my, my, (laughs) my life journey did not take me into medicine. So that's that. Uh, (laughs) I just like to play with it. Um, But no, uh, getting back to the actual aspects of itself, let me move into sensation play explicitly because I do and will eventually cover like blood play, cutting, etc. But that I feel like is a separate entity Mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. And the majority of people will stop with sensation and fear play. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, As the disclaimer was said earlier, but it's getting into the cutting end of knives is a very different series of kink journeys and not everyone yeah. has the comfort zone for that. And that's okay. Well, and there's a difference between cutting and decorative cutting too. I right. Mean, like what I've seen more predominantly in, in the public kink space is a lot of decorative cutting where obviously being cut is part of the thrill, but somebody wants 
pretty artwork at the end. Oh, they absolutely. Want, they want that cool reminder, but they want it to be with a little bit more purpose, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some amazing knife art that way. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, it is pretty cool. I've dabbled in it. I won't pretend to be a, a an artist that way. <laughs> I just don't have that kind of... I, it, I don't have it in me that way. That's not my design style. And so kudos to those that are capable of it. I'm just not into that end of the arena. I don't have the skill set for it. And I'm okay with that. Like, I totally appreciate yeah. there's people that have things that I don't in that regard. If anything, it just right. means I appreciate it more. Yeah. Someone shows so, off a spider web they've cut into a partner's back. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. But no, the, the sensation play of things is not only where most people start, but I think it's an inherently different part of the kink because it plays more into any kind of sensation play. It's just dealing with the much da more dangerous end of it because the cold steel of it, cold steel on skin, running along skin, dragging, pricking. Um, mm -hmm. My personal favorite when I, when I teach people starting out is use a credit card before you ever actually use a real blade. Because the edge is about the same in many cases of the implement. And the best part is, is if you practice with a regular partner with a credit card first, there's an actual extra layer of fear play involved because they're never sure if you're playing with them blindfolded, <laughs> where if they know it's a real blade or not yet. And it absolutely That's changes fun. the experience a little bit. It's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a practice blade that I use that's, um, it's a hard plastic. There you go. Um, and I, that was, especially when folks are like unsure, they're like, I want to, I want to have the sensation of it, but I'm not really sure if I'm down for the rest of it. Right. I, I show them the, the practice blade and let them see it, feel it, hold it, you know, and, and I will start with that first. And, and, you know, again, making sure somebody's fully aware of what they're consenting to. Of course. You know, and that they understand the difference. And so. You know, the first one or two times I play with them, I'll actually use that practice blade. And then I'll go back and be like, okay, are you ready to step up the fun? You know, and let them be a little more involved in that decision-making process. Absolutely. You can't tell. I like my partners to be actively involved, not just passively showing up and saying, hey, do this to me. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so. very much the same way. I, I don't care if I spent six hours on negotiation days in advance. I will absolutely negotiate active choices into the scene. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I want them to have the functionality to, if they're comfortable with and want to, is the mm -hmm. key element to that. Change the narrative yeah. in the middle of a scene for their enjoyment. Yes. That makes me nervous. Uh, within reason. Uh, uh, I mean, I understand why. I, I don't mean it as a general blanket. Yeah. Because, yeah, I don't mean you dictate the entire scene changes in the middle. No, no, no. That's why we're negotiating. <laughs> but I want you to be able to be comfortable if I'm in the middle of it and I change from a certain blade to another type for you to be able to look at me and say, right. no, 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 I want you to stick with. Yeah, go back to that other one. Yes. I want yeah. you to have that comfort to say that mm -hmm. no matter what. Because I don't have a problem working within that space. Because you're obviously going to get more enjoyment out of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
But no, I, I when I say change the narrative, I do not mean the entire dynamic of the scene because that's not happening. <laughs> if we're if we've negotiated, planned everything out and whatnot, and the scene starts and you try to change it from one kind of a scene to a very different scene, we're just done. Yeah, I, I've cool. warned you up front that that's how that will happen. So if you do it anyway, that's on you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't help anybody. Nobody's happy with that at the end of the day. But. So how? So let me ask you this. So since since we're being so chatty, um, how do you incorporate that into like a scene? Is the cutting itself your scene, you know, or do you actually combine it with other things, or like how do you, how do you ease into it with a this, partner when you're starting something? This is where I deviate into. It depends on the scene. Depends on the partner. Um, okay. I have never. And I mean, personally, I don't say whether you should or not, someone else should or not. I have never delved deeper into the other end of knife play, specifically breaking skin, as I specifically, I personally delineated at the skin break point. Um, Because I will play with the sensation play part of it with a lot more people. Um, Mm -hmm. I still need a certain level of comfort zone, but I'm a lot more relaxed with where that line is. The moment we talking about breaking skin... In any capacity, my layer of trust and intimacy has to be higher. Um, okay. I have never broken skin on someone I haven't at least played with actively for a minimum of three months. Um, okay. I prefer longer. Yeah. And part of that is so that we have enough of a connection that you understand where I read you, you read me, and I'm able to interpret if your comfort zones are being broken and you're unable to communicate it in the moment for whatever reason. Okay. I need that layer of body response, so to speak, and understanding one another's signals. Okay. Because I do like to play in the end of knife play where it gets messy. Yeah. Once we've reached that stage, and that's something we talk about extensively long before it happens. Um, because I am one of those where I'll, I'll just come out and put with it. We already put the disclaimer on there. I do enjoy blood play. (laughs) I explicitly enjoy blood play. And so, you know, I don't consume it. I'm not a vampire. (laughs) Nothing quite like that, but, but I do enjoy it. I think it's hot. I find it sexy, etc. But as a result, that's a very dangerous end of play. For a variety of reasons, bloodborne pathogens being one of them. I there's a variety of things above and beyond. I broke your skin, so I am very implicit on the level of trust I require to do that with somebody. And by the time we've actually set up a scene like that, we've talked about all of those things. We've talked about, you know, do you have any bloodborne illness, illnesses, issues? Is there something I should know about before skin ever gets broken? We have all those conversations even after months of playing together because it's a different mm-hmm. layer. And we've probably been talking about it that whole time on some level, or at least somewhat so that I know where your boundary point is. Yeah. And part of that is safety. Part of it is because the nature of knife play, when you get to that level of the arena is so intimate. Now that's just my, it may just be my neurospicy brain, but I don't like playing with people where I don't feel that connection when it reaches that level. I think that's just okay. me and my, my comfort zones, my age. 
I'm already feeling the intimacy of it. And as I've talked about in previous episodes, I am a sexual sadist. So the moment things get really deep, I get very charged. I don't get into Mm -hmm. frenzy or anything like that. I'm long past that part of my life. But as a result, I need to know my partner's playing at the same level I am. That makes sense. So I I don't just pick up and play with someone after a couple of months of, oh, hey, we've been fooling around. You want to... No, I want that experience to be as intense for you as it is for me. Interesting. And so I, but that's why I freely admit that I don't, I don't treat it at the same scale that others may. And there's people that are much more comfortable with it being a little more casual than that. And I totally respect that. I don't think that everybody has the same book. You know, you don't have to copy my preferences by any stretch. It's probably why yeah, I, I run into I it the way I category. do. <laughs> I do. I fall in that category. I'm a little more fluid with it. Um, I don't necessarily have to have that deeper connection, but I also deal. I do a lot of casual play anyway. Right. So, I mean, it's it's for me. It's just more dependent on the person. That's valid. That is absolutely valid. I mean, because I've got I've got some play partners that there's absolutely no way in hell I would ever do something like that with, and then I have other play partners that. Um, this is the only f- style of play we engage in. Oh, totally. And it started that way. Well, I think if I was in an environment, like if I was still back in Minnesota, where the the level of casual play I was regularly involved in was more active, I'd probably have a different opinion mm-hmm. on it, maybe. Sure. But it's my particular journey where I've reached the point where I am with it. That's all. And I understand yeah. that it's my journey, totally my, my perspectives, etc. So it's... That's why I don't judge anybody else's for their comfort zones. Like, I don't look down on them in any way like, oh, you shouldn't be doing it like mm-hmm. that. No, I don't give a shit. If you're enjoying it, it's ethical and consensual. That's not my business. <laughs> Very simple. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, it's, it's not, I will say it's, it's a play style I enjoy immensely. Um, it's one that I find very rewarding. It's not one that I have to engage in regularly to feel satisfied. Um, I mean, I. There's many other styles of play that I can have a fantastic time in that doesn't have to incorporate this. Um, but I think because I do so much casual play, it does, I would say, alter how deeply I get into it with someone until that trust is really formed. I mean, I like currently, I think I only have one play partner that I would say I would, without any reservation, dive fully into this type of play with. But, Absolutely. you know, we've been playing for a while together with blood and staples and sutures and, you know, right. stuff like that. So it's a little different with, with us. You know, I wouldn't do that with the average bear. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing is you still have a history with this person where you have comfort zones with each other. And mm-hmm. that's all the part that really matters. Yeah. And play part for several months at this point. So it's, it's literally the, the exchanges can be as simple as a text message of saying, Hey, are you down for knives tonight? Yes, right. I am. Cool. I'll bring the kit. And that, that kind of becomes the basis of our negotiation. But see, I'm okay with that. Each other. Because you know? that's that's yeah. where my knife play arena goes into. And I, I'm much more fluid with a lot of other kinks, where I'm more comfortable with a lot of things. It's because mm-hmm. I treat knife play as intensely as I do, I need a little bit more dedication with a partner before we open that negotiation. Just because once I start cutting skin... That scene is probably going to be as intense for you as it is for me, if I have any say in the matter. 
And so it's not something I would want to do with just anyone. For their sake and mine. But I'm also a lot more intense on follow-up. Because there's obviously a different scale of come down. Bios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the other side to that, too, is aftercare with, with even sensation-level knife play can be very intense for some people. Because it's, it's still playing with fear, it's playing with the mind. Um, some people adapt to that very okay, um, especially if no actual, like, skin injury is happening. And there's people that will be absolutely, like, when they come down, like, they're shivering because they had an experience. Yeah. Even if it wasn't that intense in the traditional sense. It's still intense for that person because they're not comfortable mm -hmm. with those emotions. It's kind of part of the reason they do it in the first place is you are playing yeah. on fears and instincts. And, mm -hmm. you know, some people are more comfortable with feeling cold steel on their skin than others. And that's an even above and beyond the kink world. That's a physiological, like behavioral thing where some people are just inherently more attuned to danger, so to speak, than others. Mm -hmm. And so their, their emotional response, their physiological response is very different. And so all of those things play a factor, but it also plays a factor in when you come down, because even with fear play, it may be a lot more than just basic, okay, we're going to probably drop tomorrow. Let's make sure we're okay. You might have, mm -hmm. I've seen people have a week long down from yeah. a sensation play Same. scene with knives without hesitation, because it can hit someone mm -hmm. that hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably I the other reason I'm- it's probably part of the reason I'm so in this heavy on discussion and negotiation and how much I trust someone when I do it is because I do do all that follow up. I will check in with you for a week, week and a half, however long it needs to be. And you don't do that with pickup play usually because most people don't want to or they don't feel the need to, which is totally valid. Yeah, I would say that's fair. I mean... We've both made the joke about I'm not always the cuddle type. Um, <laughs> True. Which is totally valid. Beat and release. Okay, I've had mine. You've had yours go. <laughs> <laughs> but you've yeah. also probably negotiated that in advance and all of that and everybody's comfortable with yes. it. If I've taken a blade yeah. to your skin, I am probably not going to dismiss you so easily out of hand. I'm mm -mm. even if and I've had people try to negotiate no aftercare after a, a knife scene with me where they're like, no, nah, I'll be okay. You say that, but I'm going to reserve the right to change your mind. <laughs> so I'm typically only okay with that when I know, I mean, kind of to your point. Yeah. We joke about beat and release. It doesn't mean heartless, right? but no, I absolutely. typically am only okay with that. If I know, know a, they live with somebody who's aware of what they're doing or B they have primary partners. You know what I mean? People that they already have their own support network before right. we even met you know no, I mean? absolutely like, those kind of folks i will handle i can handle beat and release with folks like that um in regards to knife play because i know they already have people that are going to follow up with them right and half the times when i'm playing with them their partners are right there anyway mm -hmm. you know so it's it's a very clear um i mean because i have i have i have one couple that i play with routinely um the top of the relationship is not sadistic at all and so it when happens. I play with their bottom, they they get very charged up of watching us play. And so the <laughs> cool bet. part is, I know it's great. And so 
there's kind of like a lot of nonverbal communication that happens between me and the top. And when we're done, you know, I kind of look over and give the nod of like, hey, are you ready to take over? And it's, and I get the nod back like, yep, okay, I'm stepping in. And a kind of satellite for the rest of the night, you know, check in verbally like, hey, right. I'm still doing okay. Can I get you anything? You know, but they're the ones handling the aftercare. They're the ones doing the wound care. You know, Absolutely. They're the ones the next day typically that's texting me to say, hey, we're doing okay. It's, it's, we're doing good. Like, you know, and then, then I kind of know not to, their, their relationship dynamic is what takes care of the aftercare. It's, it's not predicated on me and they can handle the emotional fallout. And if it gets to be too intense, they know to reach back out to me. Absolutely. You know? So it's, that's been fun to watch that develop. And I don't have that with everybody. I mean, I want to be clear. Like, I don't, I don't have that kind of relationship with everybody. I seem to be pretty adept at picking partners that don't need a whole lot from me in aftercare when it comes to physical demands. But I can respect um, that. But the, yeah, I mean, and it's ironically because I'm touch adverse, but like the couple of play partners that I do have that need a lot of intense physical proximity afterwards, um, we've built a relationship where we've been able to negotiate those boundaries so that I can still do wound care we can still be cuddly and, you know, they're not left feeling bereft and on their own, so to speak. And right. Yeah. I'll check in for multiple days to a week after. Uh, I've got one play partner that I check in almost for like a month because our mm -hmm. play is that intense. When exactly. We are together, so they kind of go the roller coaster for about a month, um, which, you know, I'm not going to deny is not somewhat exhaustive. Oh, absolutely. To me, it's worthwhile for the intensity of a play that we can engage in. Exactly. You know? That's that's the, per you know, I get to do all these horrible, amazing, delicious things. <laughs> right. And if that means that, oh, no, I have to text you for a month, like, eh, that's acceptable. I was going to say, I think I'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a hardship at that point, right? No. But so. see, that even that's still, like, I totally respect that particular perspective of it because the... There's still a level of negotiation and aftercare. It's just being negotiated with a third party who's available to do it. And I see nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that if that person is in the know and they're in the, you know, that's still being handled. It doesn't need to be handled by you, me, etc. It's that it's yeah. being handled. That's the key. Um, and it's, it's probably differential experiences because many of the people I used to engage knife play in often didn't have those people. Um for one reason or another, because they're often were deep enough into the edge end of kinks mm -hmm. that finding a compatible partner is no small task. And that's an episode for another day per se. But when you're mm -hmm. into a severe level of kinky fuckery, so to speak, um, where you're playing in the arenas of fire play, knife play, needles, it's less common to find a compatible partner who is sympathetic to all of those things. Not because it can't happen, and it's relative to your location and how many other bodies are involved, etc. So it, it's relative to the size and scope of your community, of course. Yeah. But it's not uncommon for those people to not have easily compatible partners all the time. Um, yeah. Many of the ones I used to play with were frequently solo poly, which... Because that was their comfort zone because of the nature of what they like to do and enjoy. And they had like three or four dedicated play partners for different kinks that were pretty hardcore. And they didn't Perfect. 
have the ability to find a partner who is willing and comfortable to play with all of those. So instead of trying to get someone who was, you know, going to be the whole breadbasket, they recognized where they were and they chose a different path. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that either. But it means that they frequently did need all that extra follow-up themselves because they didn't necessarily have someone in their corner at all times. So that's where my comfort zone of I'm willing to take the responsibility for that because I know what we're going to do and how intense it's going to be and how long it might be traumatic. Whereas if they had someone in their corner who's like, I can handle all of that and we'll just talk about it. and That's different. And it achieves the same goal, which is the bottom line. You know, I don't have to be the be all end all just because I started the scene. I just need that person to be taken care of. That's Mm -hmm. really what it boils down to. Yeah. I'm just by nature, I'm self-sufficient. So I come prepared to do all the things, even if I'm not required to do all the things. But that's why we talk about it and negotiate. (laughs) That's the key. I mean, I and I think like even kind of circling back to how we maintain our gear and things like that. I make that part of my negotiation. Absolutely. You know, Um, because that's one of the things that that when somebody comes to me and says that they want to engage in a behavior that's going to result in broken skin of any type, I lay out my toys. And I explain to them how I upkeep them. I explain to them how I condition them and clean them, you know, and how I take steps to yes. use virucides and things like that because I want them fully aware of what's being used on them. There's, I, I have seen, unfortunately, how many people dive into things. They're so excited about getting involved in the specific activity that they ignore the tools of yes. the trade or they ignore the maintenance of the tools. You know, those of us that have been kinking a long time, do we get lazy with the maintenance of our toys and stuff? Yeah, we do. We all go through those where you just throw it in the bag and you say, fuck it, I'll deal with it next weekend. Um, the key is making sure that that's not your habit. Right. You no. Know, for me personally, because I do so much public play, I do so much pickup play, I'm dealing with so many different bodies. I'm a little more particular. Um, Which especially makes about the cleanliness sense. and things like that. Because, yeah, I mean, I th- again, being responsible. Um, so I use virucides and things like that. Like I have to air out my toys, you know, I have to hang them up and let them dry. I have to condition them because I'm using very harsh cleaners on them, um, even my leather. And so when it comes to my knives, though, specifically, I pick knives that are one solid metal because I will soak them. Yes. I don't just wipe them down. I don't just clean the blade. I will take them apart and I will soak them. You know, and not not everybody thinks to do that, which to me sounds weird, but I have run into, into other knife enthusiasts that they're like, oh, no, when I get done playing, I just wipe it down and I'm done. Or half the time they just close the knife and they say, no, it's fine. I'll get it later. And I just cringe because I'm like, yeah, I can't anybody that. that's got any bloodborne pathogen training knows damn good and well how awful that is. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and so, like, my my prep for knife play starts two to three days in advance, mm-hmm. you know. I, I know this shit's coming, so I take apart my knives, I soak them. Even though I store them clean, I sterilize them as best I can beforehand and make them yes. as clean as I can. I lubricate all the pieces and parts back up. I put the knives back together because they dry out. You know, you've got metal touching metal, so you have to lubricate it. And I put them in a cotton bag so that they can dry, but that way it's also not coming into contact with other things in my bag. 
And so then when I get to the venue that I'm going to be participating at, I lay them all out and I spray them down again before we actually play. So that way the person is seeing me do it. You, you get the uh -huh. visual confirmation and not just my word for it. But you, I have found it also ramps up some of the fear play. Oh, absolutely. They, to, to watch somebody <laughs> taking care of the tools that they love and seeing somebody lovingly caress their, their implement, it can make a sub a little terrified, which is I've hot. I've absolutely yeah. had a potential partner for their first time call scene the very first time we negotiated together because <laughs> watching me play with the whetstone and honing my blade was enough for them to be like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this yet. Can we call it? Practice them out. And yeah. it wasn't that I, I got I a weird face on or anything. They just, they had a moment and I'm totally yeah. down for that. I'm like, no, no, if that's yeah. your comfort zone and I, you know, you're not sure mm -hmm. we can wait. It's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have experienced something similar. I, I actually had a play partner pass out on me as I was prepping for a scene. Oof. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we laugh about it now. At the time, it was terrifying, well, right? Oh, no, but, absolutely. I mean, of it course. Was funny. Um, so there's a question in the chat asking about whether or not we have requirements for hygiene with knife Yes. And I'm, aside from good general hygiene, and, and I'm assuming, obviously, talking about the bottom coming prepared. Um, I will say for this... I liken it to getting a tattoo or a piercing. I'm going to cleanse the area that I'm going to play on prior to us playing. This is one of the few forms of play where I do have my bottom strip. Um, yes. Because I will say, typically when I play with folks, I always tell them, remove whatever clothing you're comfortable removing. I will never demand nudity. No. Um, I don't feel like that's my place to demand that, even, even when I'm in control. Like, it's... You, you do get to retain some bodily autonomy, but with knife play and play where I know blood is most likely going to occur, whether indirectly or not, I do make clothing leave the area that I'm going to be engaging with. Um, and that typically means shirt comes off and pants come off. And the reason why I make pants come off is because blood drips, blood runs. Exactly. And I want you to be able to leave the club not looking like you've been attacked in the parking lot. So... <laughs> Right. I, I am more particular about that. And so I only require my subs to be as clean as you normally would be for a date. Scrub your ass. Right. Don't smell. Don't, don't come to me after a 12-hour shift. But I'm going to clean you myself. If I know I'm working on your back, yes. I'm going to clean your back. Yes. You know, I'm, because, again, your back is now part of my implement. Your back is now one of my tools. You know, if I'm working on your buttocks same kind of a thing. I'm going to clean that. And it's not because I think you're dirty or whatever. No. Part of it is to sterilize the area as much as I can because I want to minimize scarring. But the other part of it too is, especially when you start talking about things around genitalia, nipples, things like that, we all have body fluids that we cannot control. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to clean you, not because I think you're gross and dirty, but spontaneous lactation happens. You no, know, you absolutely. Get excited, the drip drip starts. I'm gonna well, clean off your, you know, your thighs and your butt. Like it's, and it's not. It's not because I think it's, you know, again, it's not me making a commentary on the bottom. It's no. me trying to take care of both of us. It, it's you know, and I also wear gloves, like you were talking about earlier. I do wear gloves when I engage in night play, even with my fluid bonded partners. I wear gloves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not about comfort zones. It's about being safe. Mm -hmm. Um. 
it's part of why when I said earlier about I will negotiate a week in advance more often than not with a with a heavy knife cutting scene where it involves open skin. And part yeah. of that is I want it to be recent. So even if we talked about it like three months ago, and for whatever reason, we're only just getting to it now, life delays, whatever, I will sit down a week prior and we will sit and have an hours long conversation about what are you hoping for? What are you aiming for? Are you comfortable with this? And I will go through the safety implements. I will go through the bladed implements. I will talk about how they're used, how they're sterilized. I will ask those questions also because if the person in question may have an adverse reaction to something I use mm -hmm. and they're aware of it, it gives them the opportunity to say so mm -hmm. if they're able. And many people are frequently Absolutely. ignorant to that sort of thing because they don't frequently go, oh, look, that's a sterilizing agent. I should see how it reacts. Like they wouldn't go through that on a daily basis without a reason, which is totally understandable. Mm -hmm. So by giving the platform, and still, things can happen while you're doing it at scene, and you plan for that as best you can, but I open that dialogue for a reason, and that way when it does come, I do expect, you know, I come clean, I expect my partner to come clean, I will frequently negotiate a bath beforehand where I'm administering it myself for the areas involved, just like in a similar way to you. Part of yeah. that, it ramps up the intimacy of the scene. And mm -hmm. two, because I want to make sure that, you know, in the two hours since you took a shower and headed to wherever we're doing, you haven't broken out a sweat because we're in somewhere that, you know, heat has happened or yeah. a variety of other reasons. I want your space as sterile as humanly possible for your safety there's, and mine. Yeah. And so there's a note in the chat, too. Um, this particular person is saying that, that they love fire play and knife play. So they'll yes. refrain from using lotions and perfumes. Oh, God, please. Yes. I, I will say, <laughs> well, for me personally, I'm not necessarily smell sensitive. When no, it I'm to, not either. It's, it's like the risk of flammability whatever, if you're but, not familiar with what you're using. That's all. Well, that that's in regards to fire play. I'm talking specifically around knife play. Oh, I'm fair. not so particular about lotions and perfumes. I'm because, not again, either. I'm going to be wiping down and sterilizing the area. So I'm actually taking that off of your skin anyway. Mm -hmm. Um. What I will address in aftercare with whoever I'm playing with is how to use those things post-scene. Because yes. a lot of folks forget that when you have an open wound, <laughs> slathering on Bath and Body Works is kind of fucking stupid. And it's going to suck um, in some cases. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it might sting, but it, it also will actually change your healing because it yes. can cause an infection. Right. Um, same with perfumes. Like, there's certain things that you don't want to necessarily spray directly on that area. Um, well, it's like what I said so earlier about people, rubbing alcohol. You treat it too. like a tattoo. Yeah, treat it like a tattoo. If you're not going to mm -hmm. clean a fresh tattoo with straight alcohol, why would you do that to your freshly broken skin? I mean, you know, if you're not, you're not supposed to put lotion on your tattoo from Bath and Body Works and things like that because of the fact that all the perfumes and the dyes and things like that don't put it on the freshly broken skin. Now, now I think I think common sense has to play in here at some point. Oh, it absolutely should. Um, as a sadist, I have no problem owning up that part of the reason I keep peroxide is so that during the, the post-process of cleanup, that extra burn when I'm cleaning the wound is just satisfying. Mm -hmm. I have no problem owning that. Um, hearing that immediate hiss of that extra pain you weren't expecting, frequently they mm -hmm. enjoy it too. Um, and again, it's obviously relative to the person and what their sensitivities are. and. Um, yeah. 
because I have absolutely met people where peroxide's a no a non-starter for whatever reason of ler- allergies, etc. So we just don't use it. That's why I keep salines, hibiclens, peroxide, liquid bandages. Mm-hmm. I don't just do it to have something for every occasion. It's not a, a Swiss Army knife safety miniature. It's because I have no way to know until we've talked about it what you need. And if you're not sure what you need for sensitivities, I'm going to make sure I have it so that no matter what it is, I can adjust to it. Now, granted, I have the luxury of having been a first responder for the better part of two decades, which doesn't hurt either. But not everybody has that luxury. Um, But as a result, my go bag is a little thicker because I do keep more secondary stuff because I've either had to Mm -hmm. deal with it or thought about it or been taught about it. Which goes back to what we said earlier about please do some homework when it comes to follow up and care, not because so you know thing. you know we're both familiar with those ins and outs and what you hear here is you know from two people who've worked within those spaces already, but you should still do your own homework for your sake on top of that anyway, please. Mm-hmm. Because it is about safety, and it's about maximizing the part your enjoyment and your partner's enjoyment during scene and after, not just about knowledge. Um, so the <laughs> I was gonna say that's that's a nice natural segue into talking about what kind of questions a yes. should ask when they're interested in knife play. And so, thank you, Dottie, for throwing that back in there. Absolutely. Um, so for me, specifically, when somebody comes to me and they say, I'm interested in knife play, I, in a sense, turn it back on them. Tell me why. Why does, why does the play appeal to you, number one? What is your experience yes. with it? And I ask them to tell me what they've researched about it on their own. How much do, how aware are they of what they're asking me to perform, right? Yes. Um, it's a lot different than other kinks where you can walk into it and be a little more blindingly trustful. Um, yeah, just a little with, bit. <laughs> with knife play, you know, again, subs subs should be asking, what kind, what tools do you use? How do you clean them? How do you maintain them? Right? You should always ask that. You should even ask that of floggers. You know, how how do you clean and maintain your toys? Where do they sit when you're not here? Um, I think those are valid questions. I think also asking their level of knowledge with first aid. You know, because again, you're talking about blood play. Um, they, your top should be able to explain. Yes, I know what to do if I break skin, and here's the, and they should be able to show you. Here's what I brought in case that was to happen. Um, I will say I do throw that back on the sub to a degree because if you know that you're going to be engaging in blood play, you need to bring your own supplies to be ready for post blood play, whether that's fresh clothes, puppy pads, you know, four by fours. You know, band-aids. <laughs> Drop you should cloths. have your own kit. Yeah, you should have your own kit because you're no, engaging absolutely. in that play. You shouldn't rely on the top to do all of that for you. No. That's an unfair and unrealistic expectation. Also, if you want to be down to the nitty-gritty, the cost of playing isn't on the top. The cost no, and the cost of playing in arenas like this you. are much more yeah. than normal. They're a little higher. Absolutely. You know? At least if you're doing it there, right, there, yes. There is some economics to kink. Um, so, yes, I mean, I is. would say, you know, come prepared with your own electrolytes, come prepared with your own, you know, yeah, drop cloth. I mean, I use those too, this queen, whatever. Um, but they, 
the sub should be asking specifically, what are you going to use? Because even, even if I'm going to be engaging in fear play, you know, like we had talked earlier about the credit card and, and, you know, plastic knives and things like that, I am still going to show you those implements in the realistic part of your brain. Are you going to know what I'm using? Yes. But the lizard part of your brain is not going to know that. And that's what we're right. playing with. And exactly. you should be, before the scene starts, aware of what is going to be touching your body. And so, like, I have two blades that I intentionally have very dull so that they do not break skin, even unintentionally, but yep. they're metal. They're solid metal. And I do that because you're still going to get the same sensation. But when you tell me, I don't want marks, I don't want you to break the skin, here's how I can make that happen and still be safe and play within those yes. parameters. Now, when somebody tells me, Yes, I want to I want to break skin and do that stuff too. I'm going to use the same knives for warm up. I'm not mm. going to naturally just dive into slicing and dicing and making pretty designs. No. Not unless that's what we've negotiated. So, either way, I'm going to lay all of those implements out so that you can see them. And if a specific implement is triggering or if a specific implement you decide is just not okay that night, tell me. And I remove it. And my personal habit is when something is, we'll say, taken off the table and, and the sub says, I'm not okay with that implement, it goes back in the bag, it's put away so that there's no chance that I'm going to accidentally grab it right. out of habit. There's no chance that I'm going to kind of default back to it because it's my happy place, right? Um, so I, I'm, I would say hyper aware in particular when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I think... I definitely think for the sub specifically, just asking about the tools and how they're maintained is kind of the biggest one when it comes to this type of play. And because I'll use staples as an example. <laughs> you don't just walk into your local CVS, Walgreens or whatever and buy a staple gun and walk out. It's not how it works. Even if you're buying it off Amazon or whatever, you still need to know where it came from. You know, did it come in packaging? Did did the dominant bring it to the scene in the original packaging? Like for me, because I use the disposable medical staples, I leave them in the packaging. I don't take them out and throw them in my bag. I put the package in my bag, you know, because I want you to see me open it. I want you to see how I'm taking care of things because I think it also shows that I'm taking you serious. You know, you need to see that Absolutely. I'm valuing your time, your skin, and your body as much as you're valuing my skills. Um, so I'm a little, I'll say anal attentive, I guess, picky about it. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that as a bottom you should be kind of keying up towards. And then asking about aftercare. You know, same as you would any other scene. What kind of aftercare are you willing to provide? Here's what I know I typically need after a scene. Are you able to accommodate that? And, and I will say, if the top is not able to accommodate that, you may need to evaluate if that's a top that you play with. Absolutely. 120%. You know, um, like we're, we're joking about us not being cuddly, but the reality is if you know that you need that and I am unable to provide it and you're not able to provide someone to do it for you immediately post-scene, then that's not the time for us to play. I'm not see, setting you up for failure when you go home to experience no, this all on your own course. by yourself. You know, so I'm, I am, I will say that that's another step that the sub has to take some responsibility for is making sure that all of that stuff is at least considered prior to play. I'm not saying it's an automatic deal breaker, but it's something no. worth bringing up and saying, hey, listen, here's, here's what I'm working with. If this is still in your parameter, I'd like to play tonight. If it's not, can we do it next weekend? You know, those are valid. 
No, one hundred percent. That's not a loss. Well, and it's it's one of those things where, and we've we've talked about this before numerous times, where your your comfort zone with your play partners requires a certain degree of practice in theory before you negotiate. Um, and I say that only in the sense of I'm I've never had a problem with new partners who are newer to certain kinks. And it's maybe it's just my particular mentality because I know a lot of people are not like that. But I will absolutely walk someone who's a prospective knife play partner, a knife play bottom who's never bottomed before. I will walk through them with it and I will provide the first time around. Now, I will also take the pains to teach them this is not a norm. If you go out and play with other partners in the future, or even myself, know that there's some self-responsibility that comes with this in the future. But I facilitate that opening sequence because I'm happy to do so to get them comfortable with the idea of how it works. But I won't sit there and expect them to think that this is a norm. And I'm very explicit about that. Like, I Mm -hmm. want you to have the best experience possible, but understand that in the future, that will require a part of yourself, not just the other person. Very true. And not everyone has the energy for that, and I totally understand that. Especially in this day and age where many people have the short-sightedness of a bulldog. Um, It's just truth. Not everybody has the same patience level because not everybody is willing to bring their brain to the table anymore. And unfortunately, that's true of kink all over the world. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. I'm not poking at people's intelligence. I'm not trying to be mean. We all know very well that it happens. And there's a difference between negotiating with a brick and a person. I'm not unwilling to take the time out with a person for their first time and walk them through the process and being resp- teaching them self-accountability, not just doing the parts myself. And I understand not everybody has the energy for that anymore. I completely get it. Because right. there's some things where I still don't either, but it's relative to the individual. And more often than not, that's closer to the arena of Dom questions and whatnot with stupid people than it is actual responsibility. Um cue in on my damn title (laughs) i earned that shit because of that (laughs) valid you know i very different between dealing with domley mcdarkerson and a prospective new bottom very different situations Mm -hmm. um and as i've said a thousand times i want someone who's new to the scene new to the experience to have a pleasant experience. I want them to enjoy it so that if that's what they enjoy, they want to seek more of it. They want to explore it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the reason that they stop exploring it. Yeah. And for me, that's a key element is I don't want to be the reason that they choose not to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. If they choose ultimately that it's not for them, I totally respect that. That's different. But I'm going to do my best to facilitate the chance to understand if they do or not. And obviously I can't account for everything everywhere all the time. You know, mm-hmm. things happen. But I do the best I can because especially in an arena like knife play, where it's such an intense kink, there's so many moving yeah. parts. It's mm-hmm. really easy for those parts to get negative very quickly with the le- with someone who's less responsible. And don't get me wrong, I've I've had, you know, knife bottoms who have come up to me and acted like they know their business and then dropped the ball in the middle of negotiation very clearly and been like, oh, God, here we go. Mm. It happens. I'm not saying it doesn't. It does. 
but someone new is not the same as someone who's woefully choosing to brag about their experience and then not capable of following it up. Those are very different people. In an yeah. arena like knife play, I don't have that energy. But then we probably haven't been negotiating long enough for me to enter cutting with you anyway, if that's the kind of person you are. Because it would have never made it that far. That's accurate. That's accurate. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm more than willing to work with a new person with new energy and a lack of understanding who's capable of listening and taking some accountability. That's not the same thing. Yes, it requires a good deal of investment and energy. And again, some people have more of that than others. I'm prone to it for whatever reason. But that's not the same because that person three months down the line is an educated individual who's capable of standing on their own two feet and able to look at me and be like, I don't like that, or I don't like when you, or I want to do this with this mm -hmm. other person, or whatever. And that's fine. Because that's yeah. the point, is for mm -hmm. them to be able to stand on their own two feet in their kink journey without me. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, and... Yeah, that, don't get me wrong, that applies to all kinks equally. Like, that's not just about mm, knife play. Okay. But because knife play requires a deeper level, again, especially once you break from the playing with cold steel to the breaking of skin, it, don't come at me with incompetence and then bragging about it, please. <laughs> There's no room for that kind of error. No, not with that, this kind of play. I mean, it's, that's yeah, it's more it, dangerous. Yeah, it's a stress thing. It's mm -hmm. it's not even about mm -hmm. being upset about it or having a low tolerance for it because I'm an asshole. None of that. It's because the risk profile is so much higher. If you talk to me like you know what you're doing and I'm expecting you to uphold your end of that, and in the middle of mm -hmm. scene things go wrong, I'm still going to feel guilty as shit. Yeah. Because I'm the one who still caused the harm, and I actually hold myself accountable. And mm -hmm. I don't want that situation to happen just because you were stupid. So please, for the love of God, be educated about it. Even <laughs> if I'm not the educator, please do some homework. I, I, I don't stress that to be light or to joke. I know we joke around a lot, but this is a, not, this is a particular arena where I feel very strongly opinionated about. It's been one of my favorites for a long time. I speak as someone who loves it for a reason. Please do some homework. Take some mm -hmm. classes. Educate. Learn. Because your enjoyment level will be so much higher. Yeah. And your accountability will play into whether or not you're safe with a top, too. Let me tell you. Because mm -hmm. you will be able to tell right away whether the top is competent or not. And you should be mm -hmm. able to do that, please, for you. It only well, takes you still want to have a rewarding theme. Right. Oh, no. And it's and not that you point. can't do it. But it only takes one irresponsible top for you to go to the hospital because you didn't know any better. And obviously, we want to minimize that. That's all. We mm -hmm. minimize the risk to the best of our ability because there's never such a thing as 0% risk. No. Not in arenas like this. It's not humanly possible. So we do what we can to minimize it and maximize the scene. And that's one of the things, too, with this that I will say is even when people come to you and they're like, yeah, I want to engage in knife play, but I don't want blood. I don't want to be cut. You still have to understand that that's a high potential of happening. Absolutely. Even through no error. Um, you're, you know, flogging. Flogging can break the skin. 
Yes. And so now you're asking me and trusting me to play with a sharp edge thing that's specifically designed for separating skin and telling me, so don't draw any blood. That's a very fair ask to make, but understand that even under the best of circumstances, blood may still be drawn. And so I think, again, this is another one where the sub has to be very aware of what they're asking for. And the top has to be very critical of their skill. You know, this is an area that I will say when a top overestimates their experience, it can be devastating. Um, it, it's just simply not worth it. You know, if you're going to have a humble brag or you're going to have ego in any area of kink, this is not it. Because being no. arrogant in this space will absolutely get someone injured, um, including yourself. Yeah. You know, you get, because I will say too, and, and folks that, deal with implements routinely, you know, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. You can pick up a knife 400 times and we all will hit a point of comfortability where you tend to get a little sloppy and you're going to injure yourself to remind yourself, keep, keep your head in the game. And, and that's what I'm saying is keep your ego in check with this one because it's please. Yes. That 400th time you pick up the knife, hopefully you cut yourself before someone else but it's going to happen you know we get lazy with flogging we get lazy with whips because it becomes commonplace and it's your favorite and you kind of hit your rhythm and you're thinking you're on your game but that one time that your head's not fully in the game you break skin you know and it's just be aware of it it's i'm not saying it's the end all of a scene and everything has to crash to a halt but be realistic and be able to communicate it you know have i made errors in knife scenes yeah you know, have I cut too deep or draw more blood than what we were both expecting? Mm -hmm, it's happened. Did it mean that the scene had to stop? No. It means I check in with the bottom and say, hey, here's what happened. You know, here's a mirror so you can see what's going on. Or, hey, look down, see what's happened. Do we need to stop? Absolutely. You know, the power, you know, the power has to stay with the person that's experiencing it. And now, I will end a scene if they're not able to articulate anything and they're not right. able to, to have that check-in, right? Obviously, that's you're done. But if the sub can look down and go, no, I, I knew that that was a possibility and we're still okay, okay, we can keep going. But at oh, least no. give them the ability to make that decision. The moment there's anything involving skin breaking or anything that serious, anything in the edge play arena as far as I'm the moment there's a lack of communication when check-in happens and it needs to happen, yeah. I will absolutely end the scene for safety. No yep. problem. And if yeah. you're upset with me with later you. about it for some reason, please do. <laughs> well, we can always play again later. I mean, that's, well, that's right. the thing. Is I, I understand for a lot of folks playing, the goal is subspace, and you want to get nice and deep and floaty, and you want all those endorphins, and it's sexy fun. I get it. I'm not here to rain on your parade, but at the no. same time, if you can't respond back to me about your safety, we're no longer playing safely. Well, and I'm, I am and absolutely. I will maintain that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like you have to be safe. No, because well, that's the thing. If you're not, to me, if you're no longer playing safely, to me, that you are bordering on a consent violation. Yes. Because they're not able to consent, they're not able to revoke consent. Mm -hmm. And me personally, that's outside of my risk profile. I'm not willing to play with folks that can't actively participate in whatever we're doing. Yes. Um, I know people that will. And, and I'm not, if that's in your risk profile and you think that that's fine to play that way, more power to you. I'm not willing to do that. 
the the farthest yeah. I'm I like willing people to, coming back to me. <laughs> right. The farthest I'm willing to go on that <laughs> like, is I will negotiate nonverbal responses mm-hmm, for those mm-hmm. that are you know where Absolutely. they're flying and they they I'm like I'm willing to work with that, but you need to be able to yeah. give me some kind of signal if I check in for whatever reason. Even if it's just a tap yeah. on my hand of, you know, two fingers means it's good, four fingers, mm-hmm. something. Give me mm-hmm. a means to communicate when you're not communicating. Because the moment mm-hmm. I can't figure out what's going on, we're done. Mm-hmm. For safety. And it's solely for safety because I'd rather you be annoyed with me for 10 minutes and do it again three months from now than for something to go wrong. Simple as yeah. that. You know, and I don't that's that's very true. I don't see anything wrong with working that way. And if it's something that bothers you, then I'm sorry it does. But you know what? Like you just said, I prefer people to come back to me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like I want to play with you again. Right. I don't like one offs. I I like regular play. (laughs) Well, and I was always taught leave them wanting more so they come back, right? Because the the reality is I may get you into subspace and have to pull you back out, but that means next time I can get you to subspace again and maybe we can play a little longer in that arena. Right. And then I pull you back out. That's okay because it, this is one of those, this again, it's one of those play styles where it's better to not go as hard as you can right out the gate mm-hmm. and build into it. You know, I don't, I don't expect somebody to come to me and request a knife scene and want some ornate decorative cutting and want this maximum blood play type of thing the very first time. No. And I'm as a top, I won't agree to that because I don't know how you react to certain things. I want to be able to learn your body, learn your read, learn your tell. And I want to, I want to be secure in that so that as we start playing more intensely, as we get more blood, you know, and things start straying in that direction, I'm able to adequately read you because to me, what a terrifying sensation to not be able to read the person that you're playing with and yeah. get that deep into things nope. and find out later that you completely misread them. You know, that that to me is like a worst case scenario. Um, and that's why I'm I'll call scene before that I get invest. that far. Absolutely. Yeah. It's an investment. It is. You know, that, that's how I look at it. It's an investment between the two of us. And also, I want to give you that trust in me so that you see how I operate. You know, we may have that first, I'll say, teaser of a scene, and you decide that you don't necessarily like how I operate. That's not a slight. No. Now, I know I'm not going to ring everybody's bell. And if you're able to communicate that to me, that, hey, I had a good time, but it's just not what I was looking for. Cool. Not a problem. Like, that's good Absolutely. Yeah. You're welcome to feel I'm that way. No. That's called being honest with each other as grownups. And this is an environment where being a grownup is the part that matters. I don't need to be the greatest person you've ever experienced in that arena. I'm okay with that. Would I prefer it? Of course I would. Duh. I have no problem with a little ego stroking, but I'm also comfortable being able to say maybe I wasn't the person you wanted in that arena, and that's okay too. Yeah, I'm okay saying it's not me. That's fine. You got it. I'm fine with that. That's not a slight. Not at all. I would much rather cut cut losses at that point than have a shitty scene that we both left and walked away from. Yeah, so please. Like that's garbage. Well, and nobody's I, happy. So what's far the point? Happier. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. engaging BDSM and you're having a bad time, why are you doing it? Let's be real. The whole nature of what we do is for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting enjoyment, what are you doing? 
I can tell you, I, I have hit that point in my kink journey. If I am not having fun, I am not doing it. There was a time in my life that I would, um, especially when I was learning new skills and I was brand new into kink. There were a lot of times that I did things that I didn't want to do because I did feel obligated. And I will say some of that's a gender issue. Um, That's Some of it was just, I felt people had expectations on my performance as a woman. Um, And so I did feel pressured to engage in activities that I found distasteful. Or fetishes that I didn't necessarily appreciate. Um, but I, I am very competent and confident with myself now to be able to say, that's not an activity I like. And so I'm not going to do that. Absolutely. You know, I've met bottoms that I just, like, we've known each other. We hit it off. We're really good friends. But our play chemistry just wasn't there. And you didn't know that until you got into the scene with each other. And you you just look at each other like, what are, what are we doing? And I think all of us have had that, you know. Where, you know, you have that pivotal moment where you both kind of look at each other and you're just like, what are we doing? Why are we here? Yeah. No, absolutely. End the scene. Like, don't don't try to play through. Like, that's not. No. You know. Well, and that's maybe it's because as I've discovered, you know, in the last couple of years that I've got a thing for education in this arena anyway. Like, I have never had a problem with doing the things in that sense. Because I've never sought anything in this journey that I didn't enjoy. Because if I didn't enjoy even learning about it, I just didn't pursue it. It was a very simple mm-hmm. thing for me. And that's it, it may just be my particular journey. And, you know, everybody's growth is different and how they got to it is different. But I have never allowed it, it may just be my own self-accountability, but I have never personally allowed myself to pursue something I was not going to enjoy. I never was like, oh, I have to fucking do shit if it's in the bdsm category i didn't do it i refused categorically you know even and that sounds weird when you talk about things like being an accountable responsible top i'm good with those things i enjoy being Mm -hmm. responsible which sounds weird for some people but i do i'm one of those people who thrive in environments where i'm the accountable adult i don't have a problem with being in that arena and learning the things i need to to be that person Some people do it because they have to. I actually enjoy learning those things. So that's never been an issue for me. And obviously different people will have different stages and comfort zones with that. And that's okay. But that's why I always stress, don't do it if you're not enjoying it, if you can help it. Please don't. Right. Because what's the point then? This isn't your job. This isn't your home life. In that, If it is, then that's a whole different negotiation, obviously. But generally speaking... This is for enjoyment, sexually charged, not sexually charged, whatever the reasons are. The point is to enjoy yourself and your partner. Absolutely. If you're not getting that, stop and consider why. Talk about it. Figure Mm -hmm. it out. And if that means walking away and saying, this just isn't for me or you aren't for me or whatever, better to do that before it gets ugly or toxic than to go yeah. through the motions till you're fed up and you you cause yourself and someone else some traumas. Please? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Please, for Never everyone's sake, yours folks. especially, don't scar yourself for the sake of. Please. Unless you're into scarring, but that's a whole different <laughs> negotiation. Um, <laughs> that's a different discussion. <laughs> no, but so, for seriously, so, I mean, we've talked a lot about the actual mechanics of, of knifey things, but, like, what do you... 
Because I know I combine knife play with other types of play within the same yes. theme. Do you do that? I have. Um, okay. And this is where the, the breaking of skin matters in that regard. Um, mm-hmm. I will, I have absolutely moved between different kinds of sensation play for many different implements in the same scene after negotiating it and, you know, what toys you're comfortable with and all of that good stuff. Um, I've used blades alongside feathers and silk and leather and, you know, but that's because that was all about sensation play explicitly. Um, but I have absolutely negotiated a scene where it moves from that into something sharper, so to speak. Uh, my, one of my favorites happened not long into my, about my mid twenties or so it was, you know, and I remember it for a reason, but it was something where the, the bottom negotiated with me. We had been playing together for months and they negotiated something where it, it started out as a fairly harmless sensation play experience where I was breaking out the silk and the velvet and, you know, it, it, all playing on the skin and the sensations of it and moving to cold steel and then it turning into a form of fear play. Mm-hmm. And then breaking into the cutting where it, it took a dark turn effectively was how they negotiated it. And it was hyper intense at the end. It was a couple hours long. It involved an extensive amount of aftercare as a result, but it was enjoyable as hell. Makes sense. Um, is that a regular part of my wheelhouse? Not explicitly, but it's one I'm comfortable with. Um, as I said earlier about, I don't have a problem with the the intensity part of it. I prefer to be with one-on-one with someone I've experienced time with. But that doesn't mean it has to be only that. Um, I have different kinds of enjoyment for different levels of that, depending on the mood that everybody's in when they talk about it. But that's, right. again, opening to... What are they looking for? How are they looking for it? What is their end result? Um, to answer the question in the chat from Dottie, can it take place in the middle of a scene? It can change in the middle of a scene to a point, but there should still be before that. It should never have happened in the middle of a scene first. Mm-hmm. Let me put it that way. Um, I would I would argue to say if you start negotiating in the middle of a scene. The scene it's should be not over. with proper consent. No, I agree with that. Like I'm, I'm I don't, willing I don't feel to. Proper consent. I'm willing to say that maybe the person like allowed for a change up in the middle of scene, but anything involving extensive negotiation is just straight out. I would say a change up in regards to like technique or implement right. things like that. Absolutely valid. Absolutely yeah. valid. But to me, that's not a negotiation. I mean, it's one thing to turn around and say, hey, whatever you're using right now, I don't like that. Completely valid. I think turning around and saying, hey, I want to stop and renegotiate something because I want to do something else. I would take a pretty considerable break at that point. Like literally go get water, go use the bathroom, grab a snack, come sit down, then let's talk again. Reevaluate your situation and mindset. mm -hmm. No, I agree. Yeah, because I think anything less than that, the point of the scene should be negotiated prior to you starting. Yeah, if you're negotiating points that's in the middle of, of the scene, checklist. that's a problem. I would have great that's concerns part of my checklist. about that. My 
when I start negotiating a scene, I literally start out with what is your, what is your goal as the bottom to experience? What emotion are you wanting me to evoke from you? Where do you want me to take you? That, that's how the negotiations for me start. Because then I can decide what other activities I can weave in to deliver that. Right. Um, I don't, me personally, I, if in the middle of the scene, the point of the scene is not clear or the sub is like, what the fuck are we doing? That's an all stop. To me, that's, that's the or same even, as telling yellow. Or even the other side of that where they're trying to change it in the middle for whatever reason. Still, mm -hmm. absolutely dead stop. That is absolutely call point. Because that's the whole point of negotiating for hours beforehand. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's, if you're not sure what you're looking for, we should have talked about that before we got open. And it's okay mm -hmm. to say in the middle, I'm not sure this is what I want, mm -hmm. but we're not going to just change it and continue. That's not going to happen. Because that changes the risk profile dramatically for everyone involved. And the moment you're shifting the risk profile dramatically, we need to back up and reevaluate where we're at and whether we want to continue or change it to something else yeah. in the future, but yeah. not right then. Because your mindset yeah. isn't right. Regardless of why. And there's nothing wrong with being able to say that. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean you're wrong inherently. But it means we need to back up and reevaluate for a future point, not just continue like, okay, well, no big deal. We'll just keep going. Or we'll try something different and just keep going that way. No, your mindset is clearly not where it should be. Getting you into that mind space is going to be inherently more difficult by shifting in the middle and trying to keep acting like it's fine. And neither of you is going to be mentally in the right place. And, and that's part of why I'm saying that it, it, it becomes a consent kind of an issue for, yes. for both sides. Because I think, I think about... When it comes to that point of it, the honesty and integrity of it matters of what you're doing, right? I mean, yes. if, if, if you start switching things up too much in the middle of a scene, I would hazard to say that's where a lot of miscommunication will start happening if it wasn't happening before. Exactly. Because especially when you start talking about switching activities or switching intentions and things like that, because you're not able to have that moment of checking in with each other to, to, to make sure you're speaking the same language, you know, to make sure that you're talking about the same terminology right. and things like that. So you're going to say things and because of where your mindset is at as a submissive or at the bottom for that scene, you may be using language that is not actually conveying what you mean, but you think you're conveying it. And the top is going to hear one thing and run with it. And then there's a very high potential that when the scene is over, you, you're going to have to look at the top and be like, so that was not at all what I meant. You know, and I would say save yourself all of that awkward communication. You know, save yes. yourself the potential of having that go sideways. You know. Um, yes, it, it could yeah, absolutely it's absolutely dangerous. dangerous. There, there's a very high potential that when the, those things go sideways, it, it goes quick. Well, you know. And to... To that end, like the two caveats I want to one, I think that revisiting our our views on labels, consent and vetting is probably not a bad idea because I won't speak for you, but I've been having a lot of communications recently where the difference in people's definitions of a term can change the entire dialogue. There's been a lot of that recently for whatever reason. Um, 
but it goes right into what we're talking about here too is the moment there's a miscommunication regardless of why there's an inherent risk that the entire thing can change and your mindset is obviously not where it was and again there's nothing wrong with that being the case you started a scene of this kind and maybe your mindset really isn't there once you start it's okay to say you know what i whatever reason that the dog died today or i had a bad day at work or whatever the thousand reasons is your mind can shift it's not about if that's okay or not it's about calling it and being responsible with each other so that no one gets hurt that's Mm -hmm. the bottom line it's not about right wrong who's better who's worse you should never be embarrassed or shamed of it you should be able to be a grown-up and say hey can we talk I don't think I'm here right now, which is far better than trying to shift it. And you're talking about blue, but your top is still talking about green. And they don't understand why you're not now talking about yellow because there's now a miscommunication. And it sounds Mm -hmm. silly talking about it that way, but it's not. Because the inherent risk at that point goes up exponentially if you're not careful. And it doesn't matter at that point if it's knife play or even spanking. It only mm-hmm. takes okay. bad communication to happen for a nanosecond for something to go very wrong <laughs> mentally or physically. And obviously that's not what anyone wants. No, because it's crap. I mean, it, and, and I know I'm kind of crass with my language about this, and it's because I kind of feel strongly about it. But I mean, it, the reality is both people share equal effort, blame, seriousness, all of that when you come into a scene, because allegedly speaking, when you come into any negotiation, you should be both coming in as an equal partner, regardless right. of power dynamics and things like that. You're still person A talking to person B about something that yes. you want, need, whatever. You have to be meeting on equal footing. And that means making sure that you're using the same language, making sure that you understand the intention behind the words being used and that you hear the emotion and the language. And if at any point, especially with edge play, my God, if you're negotiating and those things aren't happening, then that's not the time to talk about it. You need to walk away. Yes. It doesn't mean you can't re-engage. It doesn't mean that, that that person's a bad top for you. It just means at that point, you're not communicating effectively to advocate for what it is that you need and want. Yeah. Table it. You know, and it's completely valid to tell someone, because I've had this happen. People come to me and say, hey, listen, I, I want to have a scene with you. This is what I want to do. And I've asked them, okay, so how, how do you want me to get you there? Like, what, what kind of things are inbounds? What are out of bounds? And we have to table the conversation sometimes for up to a month because of schedules, work, life, whatever. And then we come back and the person says, yeah, I was really caught up in the moment. Like, I still want to experience this with you. But now I feel like I can actually tell you what I meant because I've experienced things since then. And I'm a little more aware of what I want my body to do. I'm a little more aware of where my my head is at. So when I play with you, I'm actually coming fully into the scene with you to be present with you and not just be a meat sack for you to do something cool to. You know, because I'll tell you from a dominant perspective, and this sounds crass, but I can hit fucking anyone. I don't care. A body is a body is a body. It, It doesn't matter to me. I'm trying to connect with you. The whole point in me playing with you is I'm playing with you. I can play with your body. That's easy. Playing with your mind is a very different thing. 
And I want to have that mind-body connection, even when you're in public space. Like, that's the point. You know, so if somebody comes to me and they've got the personality of a wet paper bag, I already know that I'm not going to play with them. No, 100% because I can just go find a slab of beef and hit it till I'm happy. Like, you know, at that point, if it's disconnected, what's the point? Mm -hmm. That's not how I play. I like this phrase. One person's blue is navy blue and another person's blue is royal blue. That's a great way of explaining it. It is. I like that. That's so true. It is. And I need to know what kind of blue we're talking about. It's, I mean, meat sack, flesh sack, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's not wrong. Yeah, we joke that's about what it is. Well, and I'm likening it to like, you know, when we talk about sex, and you're like, oh, tab A, slot B, or like, right. you know, hey, I'm that person's fleshlight for the night. That that's kind of what we're talking about. You're taking the personality away from the activity, and I don't necessarily like playing in that realm. Can I? Can I absolutely inhumanize someone or dehumanize someone or turn them into a piece of furniture and stuff like that? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, but when I'm doing edge play, that's not what I'm looking for. Well, and to the end of the the rest of the context of that about, you know, why using acronyms like RAC versus SSC, et cetera. And I don't want to take on it too long, not the focus today. But there's a reason um, someone I highly respect started using an acronym called RICA, and I've adopted it wholeheartedly. <laughs> but I don't assume okay. and because it's personal, I don't assume anyone else is going to know it. So I spell it out when I use it. Responsible, informed, involved, consensual, and aware. And I never just use the term without explaining what it is, because I have enough mm-hmm. sense as a meat sack with a brain to not assume <laughs> you're going to know what it means when you probably have never heard it before. So mm-hmm. rather than assume your knowledge base, I'm going to spell it out so you know exactly what I'm saying. So there's no ulterior confusion. Simple as that. Yeah. Clear ethical communication is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So that no one's confused, not because mistakes can't happen, but to reduce how often they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Before we get too Absolutely. long in the tooth, however, I want to make sure I at least touch on coming full circle back to the original topic. Um, for those that may listen that are curious about the mechanical end of things, and I'm not going to dive too deep into it because that's mm-hmm. another whole but for someone who's just starting out and hoping this is something like a 101, it is to an extent, but I will tell you the most mm-hmm. ridiculous basic thing to practice with for someone who's never picked up a knife to play with another person before. Get a big hunk of meat, and I'm not kidding. It's silly as it may sound, and no, it's not an exact replica of human body skin. Get a big like section of cow, and I mean a big flank or a big muscle. Use the tools you would be planning to use on a person and practice till you're blue in the face. Don't rip huge gaping holes in it. Use it. Learn where your control levels are. Learn how much strength it takes to flay the flesh. Learn what different kinds of blades will do to different levels of muscle. Because experiment with it that way will give you a great deal more control over what you're capable of when you're finally comfortable with trying it with a person. Oh my God, yes. It sounds silly and it sounds kind of ridiculous to be like, oh, just use a slab of meat. No, really. Because the layer of toughness to the muscled meat actually does have an interplay with human base. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying use a practice blade on it. I, much like you, I have a flat blade. 
that I use wood cessation play so that while, yes, there's still an edge of the tip, it can't scar or mark unless I let it. But I didn't get to where I am with my knowledge base by practicing on nothing. Okay. I started with using, and it's what my mentor told me, get beef. As stupid as it sounds, get beef. Spend a couple of months practicing so that you have so much control over the blade with your hand that you are actually comfortable controlling the level of limit to what you have. Yes, as a matter of fact, orange. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, oranges too. Yeah. It's a great example. Because mm -hmm. they're the reason that meat and oranges and whatnot are good examples is they are not tough. Mm -hmm. Because you need to remember when you're playing with blades, like a, a knife blade is already meant to open skin. But God forbid you decide you want to experiment with scalpels. Let me be very clear how dangerous a scalpel is because it's so sharp. I used the example at the beginning of this. For a reason, and it's something I did to myself early on, and I will never forget it, because I laid my thumb open with a number nine, or a number <laughs> ten, rather. I did it in mm -hmm. a heartbeat, and I didn't even realize I had done it at first. There was no pain. There wasn't even any blood loss right away. It was that precision. It flayed muscle. <laughs> no problem. It is that easy. Yeah. And that is why we talk so much about safety with things like this. Because the level of safety is important because the amount of damage you can do with no effort is really high. Mm -hmm. And mind you, this is an arena I love and I will happily play with until the day I die. But it's because I yeah. make an effort to talk about the safety of it first because I play in an arena that can do so much damage to the other person that I absolutely need to be comfortable with the level of mm -hmm. knowledge I have about it. Before I put my hands on another person. Yeah, absolutely. And so I do stress that to other people. You know, and don't use scalpels right out of the gate, even practicing on meat and whatnot. <laughs> Please use regular <laughs> knives. Use kitchen knives even. Start with that because it's a different level of sharp, which means it will take more work. It will take more control. And that is what you want to start with is learning control. Learning the level of skill you need and how much force you need to apply to break skin with something that takes more effort. So that as you progress into something sharper, your understanding of how much you need to do the thing becomes greater as you practice. So that by the time you take a blade to a human being, no matter what skill level, you have an understanding of your own knowledge base and your own force control, because that's the important part as a top. Is knowing how much control you need so that you can play in that arena. Anyone can just cut something open. Mm -hmm. But unless you're just mm -hmm. going straight to blood play, which, as we've talked about, is not a common thing to go straight to. No, it's really not. Being able to play with the blade makes a huge difference in the skill level and experience mm -hmm. and how intense a scene is. Because let me tell you, playing with the other person's skin for an hour does wonders that just opening it up never will. And you can't do that with a sharp blade if you don't know your level. 
So I do want to address what just got posted in the chat because yes. they're curious to hear about very, very sharp blades and the gradient. Um, the way I was taught specifically when it came to any kind of knife play, you only work with sharp blades because when you do an accidental cut, those wounds will heal cleanly and you're yes. more likely to do maximum damage with a dull blade out of incompetence than you would with a very, very sharp blade. That being said, I also play with serrated edges um, mm -hmm. because I do like dragging that across the skin, but it leaves a very different wound track. And that is something that I build into my negotiations also because the potential cut that a serrated blade will leave is messier. It's jagged. Yes. And so should harm occur and things have to heal, that is more likely to scar. So I'm very upfront with that kind of stuff. And that's why I try to always ask like what, what they're trying to experience with that sensation, because I want to know where that's going to go. Um, the two blades that I've talked about that I use intentionally because I know that they won't cut, they're not only dull, they're, almost incapable of cutting as far as a slice goes they can still penetrate from the point of the tip right um and i don't typically play that way i'm not trying to stab someone i'm, no, I'm exactly. trying to do knife play it's not impalement um, it's cutting and they're very yeah. different things. and so it's a it's a very different thing so i me personally i come from the school of thought that all of your blades should be sharp because I a dull too. blade doesn't do anyone any service um Straight, yeah, there's a note too about straight razors. I play in that realm also because I use, I do classes on straight razor shaving. I use straight razors in my play. Um, they are shaped differently than a knife and it would be more related to a scalpel. I 100% agree with that. I have two straight razors specifically. Well, I've got three technically. I have one that's a shavette that has disposable blades that I can take in and out. Mm -hmm. And I use that when I'm doing classes. I use that when I know that I'm going to be demonstrating on multiple people. So yes. I keep a sharps container with me and the blades get dropped into that. Mm -hmm. I do have two straight razors that are a fixed blade that I have to hone and sharp. Um, and I keep those ones scalpel sharp. The, the one I have is very much scalpel sharp. The other one, a little bit more dull than that. Um, and that's actually a punishment blade because I, I use that intentionally to cause razor burn. No, absolutely. Um, well, because no, absolutely. You know, I hate your modification. Um, yes. Yeah, razor burns a bitch. Um, um, but so, but that's, but I will say that's how I play. I won't say that everyone does that. I won't say that that's right for everyone. Um, I just have learned that's what's right for me. Oh, that's valid. So when I negotiate scenes, again, I show people my equipment and I explain that to them. Here's the knives that I plan on using. Here's how I maintain them. I'll use a piece of paper to show how sharp they are and let them decide if that's part of their profile. Well, and that's yeah. my, I always, and these are personal recommendations, much like you. I mm -hmm. don't say these are absolute needs. You have to do it this way. It still comes down to ethics and comfort and, you know, all of those things. But um, first and foremost, I keep a whetstone that is a thousand one side grit and four thousand on the other. I personally think of that as a need personally. Um mm -hmm. and part of that is because the play blade, the one that I will use for say sensation play or for non-invasive play, for lack of a better description, will play on the thousand grit side. 
um, for mm-hmm. sensation, etc., where the edge still cuts, but I'm not using it to cut in the first place, but it's still sharp enough to yeah. do so. Um, for an example, for the uninitiated, um, at 1,000, a medium-level whetstone will cut through newspaper with some difficulty, but it will cut smoothly through printer paper, for example. Um, yeah. The other side to that, the 4,000 grit, 4,000 grit is usually what's used in general food prep, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, High-quality kitchen knives, like really good kitchen knives and prep knives will be at that scale. That is my minimum for cutting skin because it's clean. Um, what a friend of mine used to use the example, and I don't personally, but it's a good example that works. Um, if you can take hair from your body and cut it cleanly with the blade, then it's sharp enough. Mm-hmm. Keyword being cleanly. And then, of course, yeah. for the for those that really enjoy like the precision level, like scalpels and whatnot, um, don't personally keep ten thousand grit, but you can. Um, ten thousand grit is mostly unnecessary for the average Joe, um, or leather strop for that matter, which is technically in the same category. But those are like shaving level sharp blades. Those are for true precision, whether it's flaying bodies or close shaves or. Most people's regular use will probably never need something of that caliber. But if you so choose, it is an option. And there's nothing wrong with that option, as long as you, again, learn your level of control and comfort. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we've covered actually a lot today. you have any final thoughts I'm trying to think i can't really think of anything i mean i i think the only thing i mean we talked about the different cleansers and stuff we use for skin and obviously taking care of blades um i think the only thing that we didn't cover is when we are disinfecting the materials is there a specific disinfectant that you use for that because i know mine is different because um, I don't use HybaCleanse on the tools themselves. No, no I use no. that for skin. No, that's pretty valid. Um, I only use it for skin too. That's a very different thing. Um, it depends on what I'm like a practice blade where it's not inherently going to cut skin. Um, I will frequently use like soap and a sponge followed by alcohol because that one's never meant to break skin anyway, but it will still be clean. For the purposes mm-hmm. of. Um, but it also doesn't see the other side regularly. I will use 70% isopropyl alcohol. Specifically for the follow up. What I was just saying about alcohol cleaning. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not the norm by any stretch. But it gets the job done. It cleans it out. Um, for the cutting blade. I will frequently use a vinegar water solution. Uh, mm. For soaking especially if there's hard water deposits or a number of, you know, I will use soft toothbrushes on the metal. And that's specifically with metals because some people would say that just swishing the razor head, like high proof rubbing alcohol would be enough. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just say, no, that's not true, but I prefer a little more. 
That's fair. That's fair. I know for me, because I had talked about soaking my blades, I, yes. I do soak my blades in isopropyl alcohol. Uh, we're, we're very similar in that, but I actually soak the whole knife, um, handle all of it. I submerge it in alcohol. Um, which is why I put it in the cotton bags afterwards so that it dries. And Absolutely. I do use That's oil to, to lubricate the hinges and things like that afterwards because it, it is caustic. Um, I use a viricide when I clean my blades. And this is not a shameless plug for the product. It's just <laughs> what I've gotten used to using. No, absolutely. Um, because alcohol is sufficient. Obviously, we know that. But I take it a step further because I... Personally, the smell of like bleach and things like that are very triggering to me. I that's valid, both chemically, 100%. but also <laughs> childhood memories. Um, <laughs> valid as hell. Not a fan. <laughs> I, I mean, I use vinegar for cleaning my house, but like I that's but not specifically the same, yeah. for kink work because I compartmentalize everything. <laughs> I use Bioesque as okay. a cleaner because Bioesque is is does do viricide, but. It's one of the few viricides that you spray on a surface and it doesn't have to sit for an extended period of time. You right. can actually spray, wipe, and it's skin friendly. Um, That's kind of important. I, I've, <laughs> it's used in the film industry and stuff like that. So I, I do trust it. So okay. I use Bioesque when I get to the venue and I like spray things down. I'll use that. And same like when I'm done playing, I spray it with that before I package my stuff up to take it home. Um, I've also used that. a couple of other viricides that were hospital grade. If I know, like if I'm going with massive blood as being the goal and I know like things are going to get wet, um, I will, I do have a, a tub of wipes that are specifically hospital grade for hard surfaces. Yes. And I use I those. And then I wrap the knives up in that to transport them home so that I can then soak them and scrub them at home. Um, and that's why I was asking Dartex kind of like what you do. Cause I know we do things a little, a little bit differently. No, absolutely. I, when I can get my hands on them, I will absolutely keep lap sponges in my go bag for a variety of uses, including <laughs> wrapping the blade because nothing okay. quite sucks everything out quite as well. The difference <laughs> is they're also way harder to acquire and they're costly. So they're yeah. not exactly a regular usage thing for anyone, much less myself. Which is a shame because I love that's, them to death. And that's why I like the wipes because they're a little easier to obtain. I don't like right. Lysol wipes. I, I won't say that they won't work. Obviously, they do. But I, again, the smell, they're gross. No, I totally respect but, that. <laughs> I mean, to get the blades home, I will wrap them up in something like that. Yeah. Just so that things don't get contaminated in my bags either. And Absolutely. I do bring like a trash bag for all that shit too. So like when I'm done with the blood scene... um. Because I was taught bloodborne pathogen and clean room etiquette. Mm -hmm. Like, I know how to take my clothes off and put them in a bag correctly. Right. Um, so I am kind of picky about that when bringing stuff home. No, I've, I have absolutely. I have a washer in my garage. <laughs> no, absolutely. I have absolutely brought a second change of clothes for post scene mm -hmm. in many cases yeah. when I've gone. If I'm not in my own home when I do. Absolutely. Because you have to. It's, it's not just safety. It's comfort zones for everybody, too. You know, so goes back to reducing risk when profile. I, <laughs> I call it my stripper bag because like, I've gotten <laughs> in the habit when I leave the club, and, and it's any club I play at, but whenever I leave a venue that I'm playing at, I do change clothes always. Um, I can appreciate and I, that. And I go home in a different outfit than I showed up in. So like we laughingly call it my stripper bag. <laughs> no, but I get but, it. But I do Absolutely. that on purpose too because it's also a mindset thing for me. 
Yeah. That's that's me getting into the mindset of, okay, we're done. That just happened. Mm-hmm. We're done. Now it's go home time. And it's always comfy, cozy clothes, you know, 100%. the hoodies and, and the soft leggings. But I do that to help me process, honestly. That's that's my drive home is my processing time. Right. So that's that's how I kind of end up doing it. No, I totally appreciate that. I I haven't been regular to a club in so long, or I'd probably be doing similar, because I used to do similar back mm-hmm. in the day. Just it effectively changes my whole mindset to, you know, this is done, time to put my regular brain back on, so to speak. That um, makes sense. I don't, care, I don't think I've ever said that I had a stripper bag, but I totally understand the concept. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call it. Jump out bag. I've heard it called a hoe bag before a couple of times, actually, and I still think that's funnier than hell. Yeah, hoe bag is a person, but that's that's my point. Scottish friends coming out. I've heard the term and I'm just like, are you serious? That doesn't quite work. (laughs) My Scottish friends use the term hoe bag and it means a person. (laughs) Well, normally, yes. That's why I was confused when I first (laughs) heard it. I'm like, but that's. Okay, whatever. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know what? You do you. <laughs> Actually, they did. That's probably what they're using. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, really. It's so bad. It, yeah, it's... no, that's all I got. I can't think of anything else. I feel like I feel like we covered things pretty well. I think um, so. It's well-rounded, yeah. which it should have been. And that's what I was aiming for. <laughs> so <laughs> That was the goal. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you in the audience for joining us today. Um, as always, we appreciate when people come out, interact in the chat, give us questions we may not have thought of immediately ourselves. Um, <laughs> it helps engender the discussion by a long shot, and I love it. Um, for those that will be listening later, thank you very much. We are doing this for you guys, you know, no matter what part of the world you're in, where you're listening from, why you're listening. As always, you can reach me on FetLife. You can reach me damn near anywhere, obviously in Discord. I am literally the mm-hmm. same person everywhere. I don't have different handles or anything. I'm always open to questions, comments, death threats. You know, careful with the death threats <laughs> if you don't want responses. But you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> all yeah. of that. And same. Uh, my my name is the same across all the platforms as well. And I always encourage questions, p- folks reaching out. I love I love hearing from folks and hearing their Absolutely. ideas. Absolutely. If there's if you do a technique that's different or you do something different, I'm super happy to hear about it because I always learn right from those interactions. So thank you. Well, and as I've said a thousand times, there's nothing that makes me happier than when I hear somebody listen to our podcast because they learn something from it. Like I love that to mm-hmm. death more than anything on the planet because that's the whole point. Yeah, it really is. Absolutely. All right. Well, Absolutely. thank you all, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Yeah.